Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hey guys, Kevin here. Today's episode is a little different. We've allowed one of our mentors, social housing expert Carol Neals, to hijack our podcast this Christmas. She's been out all around Manchester interviewing the creators of some of the leading charities in the area. In this episode, Carol is talking with Andrew Powell, director of the veterans charity Healthier Heroes, taking a candid look at the issues in social housing right now and how property investors can help. I don't want to give anything else away as this is an incredibly powerful interview and it speaks for itself. So without further ado, let's hand it over to Carol and Andrew. So now we've got our drinks and we're in the warm. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about how you actually got into this, why Bancroft House is so important to you and what made you want, because you are giving back in a really big way. Mm. Um, I mean, so, I mean, it started for me as a child, really, you know, like I, I had a very different upbringing to most and, you know, I was always involved in sort of kind of antisocial behaviour and crime and, you know, I was always that naughty boy at school. Um, I was homeless at the age of 14, never finished school, so the only thing for me to do to, to escape and try and find a real family unit in connection was to join the military. So. I had a lot of adverse childhood experiences growing up, joined the military, had an absolutely fantastic career of 16 years um, and absolutely loved that. Um, but even through my military career, there was always things that happened to me as, as a child that sort of crept upon me, if you will, as an adult, um, which then transpired to then further be exacerbated when I got back from Afghanistan in 2012. Um, when at the time, my wife at the time, I found out that she'd been having an affair for quite a long time. Gosh. Um, and my family weren't there to pick me up at the airport when I came back from Afghanistan, so I had to go home. And like, and I, and I just basically found everything out, which, which sent me off the Richter scale. Um, drink, drugs, crime, um, four attempts on my own life. Wow. Uh, I, I just didn't want to be here. You know, I'd lost everything. I'd lost my home, my car, my children and, and whatever else. So had you finished in... No, so I was still in the military at oh, that time. Oh, you'd come on leave? Yeah, I'd, well, I'd, we'd just come back from Afghanistan yeah. after, after a tour. Um, I'd then also signed off from the, from the army as well. So I, 2013, I left the army after then, then 16 years. Right. Um, so that whole cycle of chaoticness um, followed me for five years. So I went away and done various jobs, tried to find myself where I were in, in the civilian society, in the community. Did you have somewhere to live when you came back? Uh, my mum's. So, okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I ended up moving into my mum's house uh, and then eventually got my own property. I got a number of properties while I were out there as well. Um, number of employment opportunities. I then turned to entrepreneurial opportunities and created my own business because I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Um, which then sort of led me to owning a, an education company. So I then was educating young children who were disadvantaged in education, had a very similar upbringing to myself, weren't doing well in education. So I was leadership, mentoring, mindfulness, meditation, sports, activities, team building exercises um, to try and get them back into the system. Because um, you could recognise the path that you'd trodden and so you were trying to stop them going along that same route. Yeah, you know, just to, just to give them a positive role model. That, yeah. was, that was the male thing, positive male role model in their life. Yeah. 
Um, so I was working with a lot of disadvantaged children within the communities, you know, no parents or parents uh, or dads or mums are in prison or they've been through the, the care system or yeah. whatever that might look like, looked after children. Um, so that saw me then delivering a project within Greater Manchester that, that led, led then led on to um, running an armed forces uh, service. Um, and then I wanted to expand, basically. Um, so we left Greater Manchester and, you know, come to Lancashire, it's my hometown. I was, I was raised in Burnley, um, but I wanted to offer um, a service for veterans. And the main reason for that was like the, the, fir the, the first time I ever really asked for help and support. Uh, and I picked that phone up and spoke to somebody. I was actually told that was too complex for the service. Wow. Um, and to take myself to a &E, and And I was wished all the best. And the wow. phone was put down on me. Um, what does somebody do in that situation? Oh, you know, I would, at the time I needed someone to talk to. Yeah. And that person weren't prepared to talk to me. They were just prepared to send me to A&E. Um, so so that, we're lucky you're still here, really. Well, yeah, because I went and hung myself that night. So, gladly, never wow. happened. Kind of an epiphany, it was a fourth time. Um, so the only person that could help me, in my opinion, was me. So I, man I managed to get through it myself. But it took me five years to do that to really find where I wanted to be and whatever else. So then, obviously, we found this building, spoke to Sean and Keith, Bridget Holmes. Um, they then worked with uh, the SAS investors. Um, they've worked with me previously, like we mentioned downstairs, so they yeah. saw the value in what I was wanting to do, me yeah. and Rio. Um, so it's not just me, it's, it's a big yeah, team yeah. effort with me and Rio. Uh, <laughs> it actually all started, We've got, we, have, we have a picture where we've seen the building, approached them, talked about it, we presented um, a kind of a semi-business case because they'd already knew what we were doing anyway. And we have a picture at home where I'm sat on a, a cushion at home with a whiteboard easel uh, and Rio being an ex-primary school teacher wanting <laughs> everything to be like, you know, so detailed and methodical. Um, so that's where it all started for us. Um, so yeah, uh, the building was purchased in 2020. Uh, and then when we finally kind of got the, the renovation team in, it took them 11 weeks to get the whole building completely turned around and, and ready for... So you were limited on funds, is my in my understanding of, you know, you only had a limited amount of money to buy the building and get it up and running. Because in, in an ideal world, you probably would have wanted to do more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I don't completely understand the, the SaaS investment yeah. side of it. You know, I kind of leave that to the experts. Yeah. If they want to help us, they help us. And, you know, quite clearly they can only draw a, a, a particular amount of money from wherever that might be and, and, and the individuals. Um, but look, if we had if we had a million quid, then yes, this building could have been, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to sound sort of disrespe disrespectful because the money that we that we did get was absolutely oh, phenomenal. No, no. Do you know what Amazing. I mean? Um, Amazing. It's got you started. Oh and... God, yeah. And like we, we've been able to evolve the building as yeah. it's gone on. But, you know, if they were sort of endless pots of money, we could have, could have changed all the windows. We could have changed like massive amounts of the interior. Well, your heating bill's what forty thousand a year. Forty thousand a year, which is a lot because it's a Grade Two listed building, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those are the things that we don't think about. You know, what, mm. what we think about is how can we get you the space that you need. But what we forget to think about mm. is how can we make sure that you can stay in business? How can we make sure that you can continue mm. to evolve? Mm. And something like a £40,000 heating bill, yeah. that is massive. So yeah. as investors, that's something that we should consider when we're looking to get a project for you. Mm. You know, how can we ensure that you have longevity mm. and that you're not 
stressed because where are you going to find the money from mm. to do certain things? Yeah, and I, I, obviously supporting Alan is very difficult because it's it, it's not a set standard, set rate across the UK. It's yeah. very much driven by the budgets of the local authority for which you're working with. So, you know, it's all well and good having the million pound to literally turn this into like, you know, something spectacular well not spectacular because it's spectacular now but yeah, you know to get all the, the benefits that you would want yeah it then doesn't become financially viable for yeah. the, the cost of housing benefit and what the return for the investors need and things yeah. so it, it's always a hard balance um to make sure that the investments are being given to those that need it and we are able to therefore deliver a, a very valuable service because you know yourself you, you're given housing benefit to house the people and, and sort of um, project manage it in terms of the intensive housing management but the support that's needed to be provided you don't get funded for I know. so that's where the fundraising comes in the grant report comes uh, funding comes in which is what Rio does which then enables us to make sure that we can get these guys and girls to the place that they need to be yeah and that's one of our biggest challenges is is getting the money to to provide the salaries for the support staff and we've got quite a big team here and a lot of people kind of you know supported housing why have you got like 14 members of staff and we've got 14 members of staff because we need them yeah because uh, it's 24 hours 14 is not that many really for the size of the project mm. and it's 24 hour service as yeah. well you know and i think that for me is an actual unique selling point that's that's where i believe projects need to be you know a nine to five project doesn't work so it's yeah. all well you know, the daytime stuff's all right it's when lads start sort of ruminating and sitting with their own thoughts at, you know like so, so, two o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning ten o'clock between ten and two in the morning is yeah. kind of when it all kind of goes wrong for people yeah and when they know they've got someone they can come and speak to it all works really well yeah um so yeah that that support element is always a um yeah. a hurdle to, to overcome so in terms of your ideal um, what, what do you see happening next? I mean, this has been the most amazing project. It's so successful. Um, I've kind of latched onto you a bit, I think, because as you know, Andy, I've been really interested in what you've done because I don't know, for me, it's like, it's just the most amazing project I've ever seen. And I think that because I come from Burnley originally, I kind of feel some kind of weird affinity as well. Um, and I've watched you since you were going, and I'm friends with Sean, mm. so that's made it more of an interest to me. Um, and what I see you doing seems to be exceptional. You're so involved, you and Rio, and what you've done is beyond extraordinary. And my goal would truly be to be able to show other investors how they can <coughs> use their money for the betterment of society, mm. to help other people, but they can make money as well. Mm. And for me, I feel like being in supported living is a much safer environment and investment than just having a regular house with a tenant in. Because a regular house with a tenant, they might not pay, mm. they might wreck the place. But with you, there's no possibility of you not paying. Mm. You have long leases, you are totally invested in what you do, mm. you and your wife. Um, the way you run this, you run this like a military operation. <clears throat> and that's obviously stems from your background. Mm. But you have a beginning and a middle and an end. Mm -hmm. And these people have a future to go to. So how can we help you? I mean, I, I've asked the question before, but I want investors to understand how they can use their money efficiently and effectively 
but they can help you in your passion mm. and your desire to help those that can't help themselves. What can we do to support you? Um, look, I, I just you, you just mentioned Sean and Keith there. I think it's important for me to say that I I would not exist in this building or do what I do without their support. So absolutely, totally at, agree. They're amazing, absolutely amazing people. Yeah, um, and, and likewise, them that invested in it. So um, you know, sort of like going back to the the support element, you know. It, if they're going to invest, there might not be an opportunity. Mortgage rates are going through the roof and building materials are going through the roof. So, you know, sometimes projects like this you know, just just don't stack up with the numbers and figures. But being able to support through a social value, CSR, ESR or whatever it's called now, ESG, yeah. you know, from, a, from a, a, a donating, giving perspective, that sort of money, whatever that might look like, will just enhance any service not just mine, but any other service, do you know what I mean? But for us, if people were able to give financially, um, you, you are then creating massive social change across the communities, across Lancashire, across the Northwest, and whether that's this project and any future projects that we've got, uh, that we're looking at uh, within central Lancashire, you know, quite possibly. So if we um, found a thousand people mm -hmm. to all give five pound a month, mm -hmm. which is negligible, Mm -hmm. What kind of difference would that make to Phenomenal. you? Phenomenal. Yeah. I'm not great with figures, but a £1,000 for five, five pound a, a pop would but, potentially pay for... But to us as investors, you know, that we all, you know, we're perceived to be making fortunes, mm. which we're not, mm. but we can all do that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, community investment is mm. really, really important because that's what makes an area better yeah. and that's what makes our investments grow. Yeah. I mean, look, that, that sort of money will just allow us an opportunity to either continue to make sure that we can make continue people's employment, yeah. you know, provide additional employment opportunities, um, provide additional counselling support. that Because we, we have two counsellors in here, a person-centred counsellor and, and a psychotherapist, but they've equally got their own limits for what they can... Um, support in terms of their, their sessions and for how long. So there's always a waiting list. You know, so that kind of money can then be utilised to pay for private counselling and you know, th there is a plethora. So if we set up something like a guardianship programme, mm. you know, I work with another charity and they run a guardianship programme. So I'm a guardian there and I pay a certain amount of money every year. Mm -hmm. I pay £500. Mm. And what that does is affords the people in the project to have extra things, mm. to be able to go on trips, to be able to have a computer, to be able to go and see their family. Mm. Things that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to do. Yeah. So if we as investors were to set up a programme like that, mm -hmm. what difference would that make to you? Look, massive as well, because you know we've got a lad who's moving in today. And um, so someone moved out yesterday, so we've got one, one in today, like I mentioned before, about the 24-hour turnaround. But I know he's coming in here with nothing. Literally clothes on his back and maybe a couple of bags. So he's got no toiletries, he's not got no shower stuff, he's not got anything, you know, that we take for granted. So we're going to have to go out and buy that. From your own money. For our own money and, and things. So that kind of money can be used to buy welcome packs and start-up packs and, you know, give them an opportunity to feel worthy Some again pride. and pride again do you know what so I mean? why so does the council not um support you with that kind of cost the honest answer is i don't know right I mean, but equally if you were to ask that question there are there are services that are run by lancashire county council and the likes of calico and there are food banks so we can access food banks and stuff like that that's not an issue so the support you get from the council is that just 
the regular housing benefit? Yes. Okay. So that's really quite difficult for you to manage and work from. Mm. So in an ideal world, we as investors want to be community minded. Most people do. Um, and most people want to give back in some way. And, but they want their money to be safe. They want it to be secure and they want it to make money. Mm. So let's just say that a building like this there's probably only a handful of investors that could buy something like this and they'd probably buy it with their pensions or their long-term investment funds. Mm -hmm. um, we could get a group of people together that could collaborate and we could buy as a collective and that would probably make it work much more. But like you rightly said earlier, the cost of mortgages you know, has increased rapidly and the cost of building materials. So the two things hand in hand are quite challenging. How could we, on a smaller scale, help you? Um, I mean, if we were looking to the next two years, your people leave here, mm. what would we need to provide for you yeah. so that you can keep these people safe, keep their anxiety levels at bay, mm. and manage their progress back into society and into work? So one thing that we do, Bancroft House is, I think I mentioned before, kind of look, if you look at it like the holistic rehab side, yeah. side of things, then we need to start moving people on. So we have we work with Calico Homes, so they provide us with three uh, three properties, two two bedrooms and one four bedroom. So lads move out of here and into there and start learning how to live semi. And do they live shared or do they live individually? No, it's all, it's all shared. So it's it's houses turned into individual rooms, so shared kitchen, living rooms, bathrooms, all that jazz. So we go into an HMO, yeah, basically a yeah. house of multiple occupation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so that's their halfway house. That's their halfway house. Um, then they start learning how to live more independently and start managing the tenancies and finances, although they're not on a tenancy agreement in there, they're on license agreements, but we help support that transition then to moving independently. So what would be your ideal house size for moving your clients from here to there? Four beds. Okay, that's four great. Beds. So four beds, the usual living room, um, kitchen, diner. Yeah. One bathroom, four bathrooms. Uh, one, yeah, yeah, one. I don't, I just don't, I don't think it needs to be any bigger. Um, like, so the four-bedroom house that we've got is actually two houses knocked into okay. one. So it's quite attainable for us as investors yeah, yeah. to find that kind of property, mm. um, and we want it within a stone's throw of here, really, so that if they need you, you can yeah. go. Yeah, but equally, you know, it's it. I mean, look, it it, it needs to. I mean, a stone's throw is not quite quite a short distance, but. You know, anywhere within sort of like five miles, because yeah. we employ somebody called uh, Gary, who's an independent living coordinator. So his role is therefore to to support them. Okay. Lads moving from Bancroft into the move-on houses, and then from the move-on houses to independently living. So then he supports them with that whole managing the tenancies and the finances and the budgeting and the the bills and whatever else. You know, so his role is to work within the communities anyway. So you know, as long as it's not a billion miles away, yeah. then you know it can work. So when they've moved from the HMOs, then going to their individual houses? Yeah, and, and that, if I'm being honest, and, and a lot of supported housing providers will tell you exactly the same, that is the biggest barrier to moving anybody on, whether it's from here or the move on stuff, because the housing stock through uh, local RPs or, or private landlords. Yeah, so any supported housing provider will tell you that the move on process is, is the difficult thing. So we're working with an RP, which is a registered provider, yeah. uh, and Calico Homes. Um, you know their housing stocks are not are not massive. Um, private landlords, as I was saying, you know they're all selling the properties, so that stock out there is, is reducing so much, which is not enabling people to move on. Which 
you know, through experience as well, is actually a, a barrier for the, not, not just a barrier for moving on, but a barrier to their mental health as well, because they can almost become, um, oh, what's the word I want to use, sort of, they get stuck in a rut here, and then they no longer want to be here. So it actually starts affecting the mental health when we've already got them to a place where it's great. Yeah. You know, they start resenting, that's the word I'm yeah. looking for, resenting the project or resenting the services because they're still expected to carry on engaging yeah. when they actually don't need to engage. Yeah. But equally that then creates turbulence within the projects as well, sort of like, for one for a better word, so, you know, someone, someone's now being allowed to just do what they want, but that individual is ready to go but there's just nothing in the communities. So why is there nothing in the communities? So, I mean, there are obviously lots of houses of it around. <laughs> we can buy them. Mm. Why is that not happening? I suppose that's down to <coughs> the investors or people who want to buy properties. But what's the barrier to entry? So one of the barriers is, I, to answer your question, I, I don't know why people are not buying these properties. I, I, I so if I bought don't... a house, if mm -hmm. I went out into Burnley tomorrow and I bought a house, a typical, two, three bedroom terrace, mm -hmm. and I made that available to you, yeah. how would that work? So that would work much the same as a move on properties. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is to say to investors, look, if you're wanting to open, do stuff like that, and you buy, let's just let's just go for a four bedroom HMO, yeah, when people move from um, the move on properties into that, they that then can become an HMO, but for professionals, let's say. Um, and they pay £90 or £110 a week, bills all inclusive, and they, they then become licensed tenants. Yeah. The issue would then be the return on the investment because we have 40 people coming in, 40 people coming out this year. Many of them have gone back to their families and whatever else, but what I can't say to investors is, if you buy that property, I can't guarantee in the next three weeks that I'm going to fill that house because I need to wait until someone's ready to go in there. Yeah. So if someone's willing to buy the property, do it up, and then wait for their return investment, so then becomes a longer game, that would work. So you, you obviously know how long your people have been here, and you would know when they're ready to be le to leave, because hmm. most of the clients are here on a 24-month programme. Yeah. Yeah. So we could plan that to a degree, hmm. because we would know that you've got you know, people moving two in one month, one in the next month, mm. and one in the next month. Mm. So in the space of three months, the house would be full. Mm. Yeah, um, so if, if we take, for example, now off the top of my head now, I've got, we've got one guy who's in the, in the move on houses, but he wants to move back to Preston. Right. So he wants to be with his children, so he wants a property on his own with his daughters and his children. And how does he then get a property? Because so he's now going through... The computer will say, uh-uh. Yeah, so he's going through the local authority uh, and Community Gateway, which is the, the local RP over there, um, to, to, to get a property. But again, the stock market, the waiting list for people getting in there. Uh, it, 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 but there are no impossible. houses available through the housing system. You know, I mean, just as a reference, in Bolton, mm. I know that there are 71 young people aged 18 to 24 who are, have nowhere to live. Mm. And I work with a charity there, and I've just found them a building that mm. can accommodate 47 people. Mm. So that's, you know, great. Yeah, yeah. But there's nowhere for these people to go. Mm. So we cannot rely upon social services anymore because they don't have the stock. Mm -hmm. So we as investors need to step up, mm. and we need to then look to provide the accommodation 
but we will make money from it. Mm. It's just a case of how do we work with you because people are scared in as much as, well, if I put those people in and they don't have a job and the computer says no, because mm -hmm. if you go through the referencing, the referencing will just say no because mm -hmm. um, you don't meet the criteria. How do we um, assure the investors that the rent will get paid? So the rent will get paid. Um, so, the, so the other difficult thing is we work with a lot of people who are never going to be work ready either. But what they are going to be ready is to be a member of society again. Right. So anyone moving into those sorts of properties. So I'm going to talk about the guys here. This guy's going to Preston. We've likely got four people. One, two within here, two within the move on properties, that if there was an opportunity for them to do that, they could move into a building. Okay? Like the HMO that we're talking about. Yeah. But neither one of them, are, they'll never work again. So, but they're on quite a substantial amount of... So um, we need to work on the local LHA authority rate. rates. Yes, in and they can top it up. Yeah, yeah. And, and then if those rates work, mm -hmm. the project will work. Yeah. yeah. So if we can make it work on that rate, mm -hmm. then we're fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But obviously all you're going to have to have and then is somebody. And would you support um, getting them from here to there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we could potentially support while they're there and become like the uh, property management side of it as well, so ensuring that. You know, They've filled the paperwork paid. in. The yeah, paperwork's yeah. always done. The money's always going directly yeah. to the investor. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So those kinds of things would work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we can make the project work on the LHA rate, then we've got investments yeah. that we can. Yeah, absolutely. No, like in terms, of like from the project management perspective as well. You know, that that also gives us a return. Yeah. On our time and effort. And what's a typical house cost for your clients? What would you pay for a typical house around here? Hundred thousand? Offer, uh, yeah, give or take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we get a hundred thousand pounds. We buy a house. We would house four people. And what is the LHA rate here? Uh, eight seventy seventy two quid. I think it is. So seventy two pound per week per room mm -hmm. times four. Yeah. Times fifty two. Yeah, and then the tenants top the rest up to the ninety or the hundred and ten pound a week because I think that's the important thing as well. Is like you know, it's, it's all in. Yeah. If we have it all in, because some of them have got a lot of benefits and others have got you know kind of basic benefits. Yeah. Um, so, if... so that would work. That is <clears throat> actually pretty much a regular rate. Mm. Um, yeah, and if they know that they've got you here. So those kind of projects would work for the mm. investors and that would then allow them to support you, to support the community and to have a long-term client. Mm -hmm. The only difficult thing going back to that is I can't promise that I can fill that property yeah, yeah. straight no, away. I get that. You know what I mean? So it might take me, I don't know, three or four months to, yeah. to fill it because the people need to be in the right But if we've space. got a plan and it's for the long term, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because we're talking at least five years having those clients in the house. Yeah. No voids, mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. management fees. Yeah. So that makes a massive difference. Yeah, yeah. So that's the sort of thing mm -hmm. that we can work towards well, and that sort well, of thing I'll so, No, because the management fee would be us managing. Exactly. So, you know, I'm, you know, from a charitable perspective, yeah, yeah. again, you know, it tends to be a 10%, but we kind of, you know, we're looking to dig a little bit deeper to support the work that we do here. Right. So that's great, Andy. Thank you so much. And I love the fact that we can go from an investor who has um, a decent SaaS pot and can work with other SaaS investors that can buy buildings like this so that you can grow your legacy and you can help the people that you've been helping for the last five, six years. Um, then we can do 
the smaller investor who wants to get into HMOs and they can then provide the support and move on service. And then you've got other investors who just want to have a few buy-to-lets and they can then do the houses for the individual to live in on their own. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I do um, some social housing in my portfolio. Um, I'm maybe a bit different to most people because my social housing is probably 70% of what I do and 30% is the private rented sector. But, you know, if we had investors who were just doing 10, 15% of social impact investing, the difference that would make to your society, your community, I would think would be massive. Because mm. if we could find 100 people who wanted to just do 15% of their portfolio as social impact investing, that is going to make a massive difference to society. And I think we have to, as investors, step up. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're making money from society, we should be giving back in some small way, mm. whether that's one house out of 20 or whether it's, I don't know, a whole block of flats, whatever it is, mm. or even if it's just a donation, mm. we can do something to help support you and support other companies like you because everything's so much more expensive today councils have got no money mm. because in the end the money comes from the taxpayer when all said and done mm -hmm. you know it, it isn't a pot of gold that the government have mm. it's not their money it's ours yeah yeah I mean, like across the community it's not just veterans who are struggling with yeah. homelessness it's 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 vast um so because it's that vast as well you know we, we don't have any problems filling rooms yeah. when somebody is moving we have got a huge waiting list yeah it's ridiculous so thank you so much for today and hopefully um the message is we can help and we can grow ourselves and if we can do that then that's great for everybody mm. so thank you so much for listening today um i hope that you found it interesting learning and hearing about andy's amazing project and I'd love it if you are interested in getting involved in this project or any other social housing, social supported projects, that you reach out to me. My details are on screen and we can take it from there. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the content from Carol and that you learned some interesting and informative tips around social housing. Maybe it's helped your mindset or even changed your mindset. Maybe you want to get involved with social housing yourself. If that's the case, I've got something that can help you to do just that. There's a completely free guide. It's in the description. You can go download it right now. It can give you the information that you need to get started on your property journey. Your next property could be the ideal social housing project. So make sure you download that now. It's in the descriptions and I'll see you next week.